Hey, and welcome to Generation Changers Church Podcast. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Barry Smith. It is an exciting time, not only to be alive, but to be a part of the family of God as a sovereign global move of God is taking place in real time. And we preempted everything around here to accommodate that. Sermon series got pushed back. Different services got changed because when God is moving, the last thing you want to do is keep doing what you've been doing. You want to embrace what he's doing. So I'm following the Lord through the scripture right now on revival and seeing how it works. And today we're going to look in on the perspective of the Old Testament prophet Joel. Now Joel's name is really Yoel because there is no J in Hebrew. But it simply means Yahweh is God. The only detail we have in history about the prophet Joel, as he's often quoted, is the fact that his father's name was Pethuel. Pethuel means mouth of God. So it's interesting that Pethuel, mouth of God, fathers a prophet for a son whose name means Yahweh is God. Whatever came out of God's mouth was establishing that he is Lord of all. He is the God above all things. The only date that we can place him living would have to be in his association with the prophet Amos. In Joel chapter 3, 16, it records the very same words as Amos, the prophet Amos, chapter 1, verse 2, the Lord roars from Zion and utters his voice from Jerusalem. This indicates that he was most likely a contemporary of Amos and would have lived around 750 B.C., during the reign of King Uzziah, of whom we spoke last week. Now, Joel's writing, I'm just going to tell you, when you read about the first chapter and a half, you're thinking, I'm going to shut this book down. This is not good. It's just not good. He's talking about how God's judgment and wrath has turned against the rebellion of his people. But right in the middle of it, about the middle or so of chapter 2, He points out that even though God's people had rebelled, we have a patient, loving, faithful God who is always ready to receive his people whenever we will turn to him. Now keep in mind, prophecies in both the Old and New Testament were were twofold. Number one, they were contemporary, which means they pertain to their time. But secondly, These writings were also prophetic, which means they not only applied to their time, but often would speak of things that would come in the future. And we're going to see that unfold with Joel today. But the prophet Joel, along with many of the prophets of Israel, pointed out a cycle that I want to begin showing you today as we look into uh, the history of God's people. Bring that graph up for me, if you would, right quick. This is the spiritual merry-go-round our spiritual cycle of the people of Israel and sadly too many of God's people today. First of all, it is in our human nature to be rebellious. Our fleshly nature battles against our God calling always. It resists it. And throughout history, God's people rebelled against him. Now, We're going to fill in some of the spaces in between these three things and show you how the love of God works. In between rebellion, right here, that little arrow right there, you know what that's filled with? 
wars, pestilences, plagues. You know, when somebody says, I'm about to go Old Testament on you, it's bad. They mean they're about to unleash their wrath. But any time you rebel against God, calamity will result. Trouble will result. Problems will occur. But here's the thing. It's all designed by God's love to point out for us our need for him. Even when we rebel, God does not give up on us. He will just arrange exterior circumstances that will make it conducive for us to turn to him and ask him for help. And we began to see the fruit of our sin, which is trouble, which is guilt, which is pain, which is uh, discomfort. All of these things come and we repent. Now, here's the thing. We've learned that repentance is not confession alone. Too many people think that when they repent, they just tell what they've done wrong. That's not the case. That's step one. When you're honest about the way and where you have turned from or drifted from God, that's step one of repentance. But step two is, once you confess it, then you forsake it. And you turn from whatever you are doing to sin against God toward God because the word repentance means to turn from and turn to God. And in that repentance, we find that God's grace brings us the third step, which is restoration. Now, let's fill in the blanks between restoration and rebellion, because remember, it's a merry-go-round. When God restores, great things start happening. His hand of blessing and protection covers us. We begin to walk in favor with God. You can see this throughout Israel's history. You may even see it in your own history. But you can see that when God restores, he begins to give back to his people that which the rebellion took from them. And they start walking in blessing and favor. And since they're in blessing and favor, they begin to become complacent. It's not broke, let's not fix it. Everything's going okay now. And they get very, very complacent. And complacency leads to carelessness. And carelessness to sinfulness. And sinfulness to all-out rebellion again. And the merry-go-round continues to turn. Now let's gain Joel's perspective because when we look in on Joel, we find God's people between rebellion and repentance. And that's where we find the locust. Okay? Let's look, Joel chapter 1, verse 4. What the cutting locust left, the swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust left, the hopping locust have eaten. What the hopping locust left, the destroying locust has eaten. Now, I want to show you the power of just a small swarm of locusts for a moment. Show me that picture of the tree. This tree is an actual depiction or actual photo of a tree before the locust swarm came. Notice it's full of leaves. If it were better uh, designed because it's very, very old, you could see it's full of fruit as well. But now show me the picture of the tree after the locust. Fruit is gone. Leaves are gone. Tree is dying. Hear me. Joel said, the destruction brought on by the rebellion of God's people 
will be so epic, he said, you need to tell your kids about this. Then he says, and I'm just going to paraphrase, and I'm walking through some, some verses that you can read for yourself at home. He says, hey, all you drinkers, you're going to be mad because your happy juice is gone because all the grapes have been destroyed. He said, you preachers, you're going to be upset because there's no grain and wine in the household of God. And nothing upsets a preacher more than when he can't eat on time. Okay? Just telling you. Now, there was no offering to the Lord. He tells the farmers, you're going to be upset because your crops are destroyed and your livelihood is gone. Contemporarily, the prophecy of Joel was speaking to their day that the rebellion they had experienced against God or they had made toward God had resulted in their economy collapsing and their much-needed provisions running out. However, prophetically, it speaks to us about what can happen when we rebel against God. And it mentions four stages of locust. If you have a King James Version, it would call the palmer worm, the locust, the canker worm, and the caterpillar. However, here's the idea. The first locust eat the fruit from the tree. It gets me to thinking about the fruit the Holy Spirit produces in our life. That there's joy and peace and love. And those first locusts start eating away at that fruit. And then the second locust, they begin eating the leaves. And when I see a tree full of leaves, I see a couple of things. I see some comfort and some shade from the elements. But I also see hope because when I see a fruit tree with leaves on it, I know there's something to look forward to. I can tell you, in today's culture, Joy and peace is at an all-time low. Today's culture, especially today's generation, have no joy, have no peace, and they're filled with anxiety and fear and confusion about many things. And when I look, the leaves have been destroyed in the culture because it seems as if all hope has disappeared. But then the third locusts start eating away at the bark of the tree, which is the protective covering that protects the life of the tree. And I can see that's when all kind of calamity begins to come against the culture. And I believe we're in a culture where the bark has been eaten off the tree and the protective covering has been pulled back and we're beginning to see the enemy invade like never before. But then the fourth locust begins to suck the very life out of the tree, the nutrients that are in the tree that gives it life. So we find that they are in a position where their fruit is gone, their covering is gone, their shade and their hope is gone, and their life is almost gone, okay? So this is not, this is not playtime, this is serious. And when we see the most destructive it can be, when we see the worst of times, that's where we move from the locust to the love of God. Watch this. In chapter 1, he calls them to repent. And in chapter 2, verses 12 through 14, he says, Yet even now, the tree's almost dead. It's almost over with. You are as desperate as you can get, is as bad as you think it can get. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and with mourning. And rend your hearts, not your garments. Understand, People in that day when they would repent before God would rip their garments. It was an outward expression of repentance. And God says, 
I'm done with the surface repenting. I'm done with the outward emotional displays. Rend your hearts. Let godly sorrow fill your heart for the way in which you've sinned against me, God says. Return to the Lord your God. And here's what you find. For he is gracious. How many of you believe he's gracious? He is merciful. How many of you believe he's merciful? He's slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. And he relents over disaster. And Joel says, who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him. A grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Let me paint that for you. Who knows if God will not bless and turn your problem into a praise. Something you can offer as worship and praise and glory to God. God says, even now, here's what I believe is happening in today's culture. I believe we are at an even now moment. Things look as bad or worse than they've ever looked. But God says, when you get to the worst that man can do, when you get to the worst that sin can bring, when you get to the worst of your rebellious nature, God says, even now you can turn to me and I will receive you. He says, turn to me with your hearts from the innermost depth of your being and I will show you I am gracious, I'm merciful, I'm patient, and I'm abounding in steadfast love. Nothing we do can shake the love of God that he has for us. Wow. He's a loving God that only wants to be in close fellowship with us. Now, I'm having to go through many verses as quickly as I can to get to where I feel like God wants us to go. He says, blow a trumpet, sound an alarm, call a solemn assembly, sanctify a fast, bring the bridegroom and the bride out of their chambers. You mean when God gets ready to move, he would preempt something? He sure would. He's saying, stop with your normal plans and turn to me. He said, I want you to get the old and the young, even those that are nursing, and bring them because I'm about to do something. See, the revival you see happening right now is the result of a loving God who longs to have fellowship with his people and he is responding to those hearts who are turning to him in transparency. And Joel says, who knows, God may just bless us again. I want to say hallelujah to that because the God that blessed us before is the God that can bless us again. And all we have to do to walk in that blessing is to turn from our rebellion and turn to his love. Wow. He tells the priest to weep between the altars and the front porches. Listen up, leadership. God can do this thing with or without us. Can I say that again? And in churches where the ministry is ignoring the move of God that's going on, they're not going to taste of it. They're not going to see it. But I will tell you, 
This is one church that says whatever it looks like, whatever it sounds like, come Lord Jesus. This is one church that has declared, we're not going to continue business as usual. We're not going to do the status quo thing. Whatever God is doing, that's what we want to get on. We don't want God to bless what we're doing. We want to step into what God is blessing. And God is bringing revival. God says, I will remove your reproach and I will restore unto you the years that the locusts have taken away. Hold on to that. We will come back to it. He tells his people to rejoice because he's going to send both the former and the latter rains. What's he talking about? It takes a former rain when you put the seed in the ground to water it to get it to spring forth. But it takes a latter rain to bring the fruit off of that plant. So God says, I'm going to send the former rain and the latter rain together. What's he talking about? He's talking about acceleration. God says, you've been wasting time in your rebellion, but if you'll turn to me, I will not waste any time blessing you. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? I will accelerate my move among you. I will accelerate my blessing in your life. He tells us to rejoice. Listen, God is always ready, willing, and able to bless his people when we turn to him. He will not enable our sin with blessing. Got somebody in your life that you know everything you give them, they use for destructive purposes? Maybe you've got an addict in your family and you know anytime you give them money, you're contributing to their delinquency, to their problem. God does not enable his children in disobedience and sin, but God will bless his obedient children. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? He may take care of you and make sure that you're still around until your moment of grace But God does not pour it on so we can use it for destructive purposes. God will bless his children when we turn to him because he is long-suffering and abounding in steadfast love. But God says, I'm not only going to work for you, I'm going to work in you. And we move from the love of God to the life of God. And he says in Joel chapter 2 verse 28, and it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days will I pour out my spirit. Listen, this is where the prophet's writings go from contemporary to prophetic in nature. As Joel begins to speak of the day that God would send his Holy Spirit upon all flesh. This is a privilege Old Testament believers did not enjoy. And as a result, they stayed on the merry-go-round. But this Old Testament promise brings about a New Testament blessing. God promised to restore his people in that day. But prophetically, it spoke to the day where God would make restoration of all things through the sending of his son, Jesus Christ. Because Jesus makes all things new. Even those who follow him are called new creations in Christ restoration has come through Jesus Christ. But once the promise of restoration through Jesus was fulfilled, there was another part of that promise that said, I'm going to send my spirit. Understand, that's exactly what God has done, and it is recorded in the Bible in the book of Acts chapter 2. First of all, Joel proclaims that this outpouring would be inclusive. 
He said, first of all, it will transcend genders, both of them. I want you to understand there are two genders God created. And that's still the way it is. Male and female, he said, I'm going to include both in the outpouring of my spirit. And while I'm here, just let me say, I've had my belly full of churches, organizations, and ministers that try to make women less than participants in their congregation. When God says, I'm going to pour out my spirit, he meant male and female. That means it doesn't matter which gender you come from, this move of God is for you. He also said it's going to transcend socioeconomic status. It's going to be poured on those who serve and those who are served. He said upon handmaidens and servants, I'm going to pour out my spirit. You don't have to be rich to enjoy the outpouring of the spirit. And guess what? You don't have to be poor either. God is not going to discriminate based on socioeconomic status in pouring out his spirit. Then he says it will transcend generations. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. I want you to understand something. The work of God that he is doing in this particular time is not just for one generation, not just one gender, not just one economic class of people. It is for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. Wow. But I want you to notice the first thing Joel mentions is your young men shall see visions. Wow. I I don't have time for this, but Travis knows how to preach if I don't get there. And he's got a great sermon, I mean, ready for him. He don't have to do anything but get up and read it. now. But understand here, y'all know I'm joking, right? <laughs> Please know I'm joking. <laughs> understand something. This morning, when I walked into the room, I get prepared in over there. Pastor Travis brought his son in the room and said, Pastor, I need him to tell you what he saw. Do you remember just a couple of weeks ago on a Wednesday night, we had a night of worship where we just got into the presence of God and let God do whatever he wanted to do? Well, they did the same thing in Lebanon. And while they were putting the chairs in certain order and getting ready for that service, Weston, his oldest boy, and he didn't know until until later after he told his dad a, a couple of days later, he said, I need to tell you what I saw. Well, son, right now I'm getting ready. You can tell me later. So it comes on the time passes and, and Weston says, Daddy, I need to tell you what I saw. He said, okay, son. He said, when we were getting ready for that service, I saw gold streaks moving through the air like it was just flowing. He said, and then I saw people standing there in a circle and they started glowing with this stuff that had been floating. And he said, some of them were glowing brighter than others. And, and he said, and, and he told me this morning, he said, and pastor, I believe that's the people that had the most faith. What are you saying? I'm saying revival's moving in the earth. And here's a 10-year-old little boy somewhere around that age, almost 10 years old or so, close. Yeah, okay, it don't matter. He, I said, now you're a young man because the Bible says your young men shall see visions. What was he saying? He was saying, I saw, he said, pastor, I believe God was showing me the Holy Spirit. The move of God often begins among the young generation. Hear me. I've referenced these revival, but but I need to re-reference them for context today. 
Jonathan Edwards, 17th century preacher, or the seven, preacher in the 1700s. His message was, we are desperate sinners in need of a savior. His sermon, sinners in the hands of an angry God, had people covering their ears, crying out with shrieks and convulsing when they thought about what eternity would be like if they faced God without being forgiven through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. He was one of the fathers of the great awakening of that day. And it began in his place, in his ministry, when the young people who heard his sermons wanted to know more and sat down and asked him questions about what he was preaching. It began with young people that were hungry to know God more. Fast forward to 1904 and the Great Welsh Revival, led by a 26-year-old minister in training, Evan Roberts, who told his collegiate principal, uh, he said, I feel like I need to leave here and go home and preach to the young people. And he began to do so. And one night after service, they chose to linger and just wait on the Lord. And that began a revival that within five months, 100,000 people were saved. Hear me. There is a reason what's going on in the earth began on a college campus today. Because there is a generation that has never seen a move of God. So they don't have any preconceptions. Can I just say it? It don't all have to be about speaking in tongues for them. Doesn't all have to be about falling out in the spirit. Because we've seen revivals throughout generations. And we get a preconceived notion of what revival looks like. And that's the reason we've not experienced it in modern day until this point. Because we've been trying to filter God through our old experience. But this generation is just saying, whatever it looks like, whatever it sounds like, come Lord Jesus. They are hungry to know God. And listen... I am not going to get in the way of the move of God. I'm going to play a supportive role and offer a covering to this generation as they seek after God. We're going to be right there with them, cheering them on so they can experience the God of their fathers. They must experience him, how God wants to reveal himself today. Have you got time for me to finish this message? I'm glad you do because I don't. Acts chapter 2. Let's read the fulfillment of Joel's prophecy. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together. Notice the inclusiveness. They were all together in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind. The word sound is the word echoes in the Greek from which we get our word echo. That means... The revival of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 did not originate in the upper room. It originated in the throne room. They gathered in the upper room. They prayed for 10 days or so. And the sound came from heaven. It literally means what was generated in the throne room resonated in the upper room. We don't need revival that stirred up in the upper room. Come on, somebody. Man, I could preach two hours. We don't need a revival that's stirred up by the emotions of man. We need a revival that originates in the throne room that resonates in the upper room. And there appeared unto them divided tongues like as of fire. Listen, 
Those divided tongues indicates that they were splitting off from a single source. So revival doesn't come from different people doing their own thing. Revival comes from one source as he begins to spread to people around them. And it's set up on each of them. And they all begin to speak with new tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Hear me. The Holy Spirit is not after leaving anybody out in this revival. In Acts 2, in the upper room, they were all filled. In Acts chapter 10, at the house of Cornelius, they were all filled. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying what we see God doing today is inclusive of everyone who is hungry and thirsty to experience God. Don't let the cynics talk you out of it and don't let the haters hold you back. God is moving in the earth again and it's time to embrace it with everything that's in us. What God is doing is not just inclusive, it's explosive. Joel said, your sons and your daughters will be prophesying. And God will be speaking through dreams and visions, which we know he's doing. But I'm not sure even Joel understood how powerful the outpouring of the Spirit would be. Listen, in Acts chapter 2, in verse 6, there was so much noise in the upper room that people started gathering around as it began to spill out in the streets. In verses 7 through 9, people from tongues and tribes and nations from around the known world began to hear these 120 Jews speak in languages for which they had no prior training, for each person was hearing them speak the wonders of God in their own language. Oh, it's not done. Verse 13, anytime a move of God starts, there'll always be cynics to try to kill it. Sad part is too many of those cynics stand in the pulpits. The dissenters came, calling them drunk. You know what I say to that? I want to give you the words of the prophet Taylor. Haters going to hate, 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 and I'm just going to shake, 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 shake it off. You know what? The body of Christ needs to quit caring about how we're going to be perceived when God moves. We don't need to care about what other people say about it. We just need to entertain the Lord. We just need to say, come on, Lord Jesus, pour your spirit out. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. Let the haters hate. Church, shake it off. Get with God and let God pour himself into you into overflowing. Hallelujah. Peter, who 50 days previous denied he even knew the Lord, stood up on the streets and began to preach Jesus Christ. This Jesus whom you persecuted. He said, these people are not drunk as you suppose, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Hear me. In the last days, God says, what's the last days? The last days, it's any time from the first coming of Christ to the second coming of Christ. Okay? I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even upon my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Peter says in verse 21, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved and three thousand 
people came to know Jesus by this one man who denied he even knew Jesus, but the Spirit made the difference, got him off the merry-go-round he was on. See, that's the thing. When God sent the Spirit, his intention was to get us off that merry-go-round of rebellion, repentance, and restoration, and learn to live the life more abundant that Christ came to give in the fullness of the Spirit. I say, Holy Spirit, throw us off the merry-go-round of constantly going back and forth and let us move straight ahead for the glory of God and the kingdom's sake. Let me see if I can bring it home. Just, can I read it just the way God gave it to me? Is that all right? I don't want to mess this up. We are seeing in the deteriorating culture what happens when you turn from God. But as I said, I believe the body of Christ is in an even now moment. People are turning their hearts to God and God is responding with the outpouring of his spirit. And listen, we don't have to define it. If we try to define it, we'll kill it. This move of God is meeting this generation right where they are. So I say, let the Holy Spirit move however he chooses. God is doing something inclusive and God is doing something explosive in the earth. He's bringing restoration and he's bringing revival. And if you want to receive it, you just need to embrace it. Hear me today. If you are new to the faith, this revival is for you. If you have walked with Jesus for decades, this revival is for you. If you don't know Jesus at all, this revival is for you. If you are young, this, where are my young people at? If you are young, this revival is for you. If you are not so young, this revival is for you. If you are female, this revival is for you. If you are male, this revival is for you. If you are black, white, brown, red, yellow, green, or purple, this revival is for you. If you are alive and breathing, this revival is for you. The Spirit of the Lord is here. God is restoring. God is reviving. This revival is for you. He's going to restore what the locusts took away, and he's going to move in his church again. Somebody give God a shout of praise as he breathes once again on his body in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us today at Generation Changers Church. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. It helps this podcast reach even more people. GC can now be your home church no matter where you live with GC Church Online. Watch weekly messages wherever you are with family and friends. Join our online family today by texting the word online to 615-488-7151. And let's do life together. If you would like more information, please visit gcchurch.tv. And special thanks to those who give generously to help us produce weekly content like this to reach the world with the message of Jesus. If you'd like to partner with us, you can give by clicking the link in the description or texting the word GIVE to 615-375-4286 or by going to gcchurch.tv and clicking the GIVE tab. God bless you and we'll see you next week.